It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East, our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. I'm John Rook with Kevin McNamara. This is our 10th and final episode for 2021, and while it hasn't been a terribly long trip, it has been a bit strange. Nevertheless, as we've all pushed forward into just having a season and providing coverage here in the Big East, we lead off with a tip of the cap to the Big East Conference, to all of the coaches, the players, and the administrators we've managed to visit with and speak with and congratulate them on successfully steering us all through uncharted waters. Kevin, it's been an experience. Undoubtedly, we've all learned some new tricks of the trade and some habits that are likely to be around for a little while. John, I've covered uh, college basketball for over 30 years, and this is the least amount of time I've spent with players and coaches, right. and yet we've all pulled it off. You know, I've been on Zoom calls with more than half of the coaches in the league because that's how everyone's communicating. And, you know, I, I, we also have to thank the fans. You know, it's been such a difficult challenge to follow your team without seeing them in person this year it, with, in most of the schools in the Big East Conference. Obviously, we hope that next year is so very, very different. So should we say wear your mask? <laughs> Definitely get vaccinated. I am a pro-vac guy, and I hope most people are. But, you know, we might see masks next year in, in, yeah. in arenas. And guess what? I think everyone would be thrilled to do so. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as we have fans back in their buildings, and I think that's what we're all aiming for. Well, as far as this year's concerned, the final week of the regular season had its share of newsworthy moments, some injury, some intrigue, and an unprecedented result in the all-star balloting. So let's get the latest with this week's Big East headlines. While Villanova won the regular season championship, the Wildcats suffered some potential losses on the floor as well. Senior guard Colin Gillespie went down with an MCL tear and had surgery Wednesday. And in a loss to Providence last weekend, guard Justin Moore turned an ankle, had a boot on his left foot for a better part during the week. Butler lost Aaron Thompson with a shoulder injury. And St. John's freshman Posse Alexander again missed time with an injured hand. The Wildcats were ranked 14th in the AP Top 25 this week. Creighton is ranked 17th by the AP in the final regular season poll. And we'll welcome back head coach Greg McDermott after serving a one-game suspension. Nine Big East teams still rank in the top 85 of the Ken Palm. Nine are also rated in the net top 94. The final weekend of the regular season saw UConn continue its role right into the postseason. Providence grabbed some momentum with a win over Nova, and St. John's knocked off a longtime rival in Seton Hall as they scrapped for postseason consideration. At the same time, three or four other teams might have seen their postseason plans lie exclusively with what they do this week in New York. Postseason honors were announced, and in an unprecedented move, Three Big East players took home a share of the Player of the Year award. The league coaches vote for the award, and considering the road team was as good as the home team for much of the season, it probably shouldn't come as a surprise that Big East coaches had a little trouble picking just one man for that honor. Kevin will mention it here and go into detail in just a little bit, but Colin Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson Earl from Villanova and Seton Hall's Sandro Mamakalashvili all share the Player of the Year award. Were you really surprised by a three-way tie? I'm not surprised by it, John, in all honesty, because people that I talk to, even the best player or the most important player or the most valuable player from Villanova, people were split by. 
with, with the people that I speak with. I'm not surprised that Mamu snuck in there. He probably had the best individual season. Seton Hall's slide at the end of the year, I, I, th I think probably hurt him from maybe getting it by himself. He was probably the best candidate to win it all by himself. And the other uh, issue I would bring up is Julian Champagne also may have had one of the top individual seasons all the way around looking at his numbers, and yet he didn't figure into the mix. And how about James Booknight? He didn't play enough games, but I think clearly he's the best player in the league right now, or certainly over the last month of the season at UConn. So, and I think we, we see that, you know, they're all first team, all league guys. What's interesting, John, is I don't think you'll see any of these players elevate to all American stature. And maybe that speaks to the fact that they all had very good years, but no one had that one great season. Final question for you, at least on, on this one, Kev, before we move along. Are you one of those guys that feels like the player of the year should come from the top team? I do. I think winning really needs to be a, an important part of the mix or else you're just talking about someone who has a great statistical season. There's always an outlier. It happens from time to time. But in a league like the Big East, when the top teams are usually top 10 teams in the country, like a Villanova, I'm not surprised that uh, you know it, it fell the way that it did. Well, I want to take just a moment to thank all of our Westwood One affiliate radio stations for being with us this season. And thanks for catching us as well on Sirius XM. If you listen on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. Thanks to all of our podcast partners, Apple, Google, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and Podfriend. For more on the podcast at any time, you can always visit our website, www.twitby.buzzsprout.com. And you can always listen online at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode 10 this week, for some national perspective, we dial up a familiar voice to Big East audiences everywhere, not only for a look at his Hoyas, but also a look at the current Big East heading into the postseason. If you're a preseason pick for ninth in this league and your team finishes fourth, you've done a pretty solid job as coach, wouldn't you say? The Big East Coach of the Year is St. John's Mike Anderson, and he'll share his insight on how the Red Storm found their way onto the New York tabloid back pages more often this year. And as far as the players on the floor, we mentioned these league coaches had the hardest time making a pick for their favorites. So they took three of them. Big East co-player of the year, Sandro Mamakalishvili from Seton Hall, will join us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Mamakalishvili for three. Rattles it home. It's good. And now the officials call for the timeout, but the damage is done. Largest lead of the game for Seton Hall by 15. Can't say there weren't good players in this league this season. Because there were. Can't really say no one was really lacking because every Big East team had someone or two they could rely upon. And that was definitely the case at Villanova, where the regular season champ Wildcats relied upon Colin Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson Earl to lead the way toward another title. Gillespie had surgery on his left knee to repair an MCL tear he suffered late in the regular season, leaving it to Robinson Earl to carry a lot of the load, especially after Justin Moore also went down with an ankle injury last weekend, Kevin. But that is a worthy one-two punch for the Wildcats. Well, no question, John, and they kept the Villanova in the top 10 the majority of the season. It's just a shame that they're not going to get a chance to show what they can do on a national level in the NCAA tournament at 100%. I will say that great opportunity for Robinson Earl to show the country what everyone in the Big East knows, that 
He's certainly one of the better young players in the country. And we will hear from J-Rob's comments to the media this week in New York in just a moment. Sandro Mamakalashvili, well, he may be the best all-round player in the league, once again full of good ones. Hence the coaches deciding upon this three-way divvy of that pie for the first time. We asked Mamu if he ever envisioned himself as a go-to player of the year kind of guy when he first arrived in this country from the Republic of Georgia. To be honest, realistically, I was always thinking like, yeah, probably I won't win it. But <laughs> but deep down in my heart, you know, you always have you always have these dreams, these goals where you like kind of motivate yourself. Like even if you don't make it happen, it still motivates you to be better. And one of my goals when I came was to win the Big East Player of the Year, and I was really working towards it. And I feel like just winning it and having it with me right now, it just kind of like a feeling you can't describe. It just uh, the the feel. It just shows like all this hard work you put in, and you know all these tears when you had bad losses, bad games. Just kind of came back, and you know God just rewarded with something bigger than you expected. So I'm really grateful for everybody who voted for me, and just uh, I'm grateful to have the award with me. Sandra, I, I've read your story, your background. It's it's fascinating. It's a great American story. In all honesty, uh, you get off a plane from Italy to Orlando and go to school at Montverde Academy. Was your goal then coming to America to maybe play in college or was it the NBA or is it just to get a great education? No, my, my dream since I was a little kid was to play in the NBA. That That's like probably every basketball player's dream. And you no, know, it, it looks so far away, but at the same time, when you come and play college, it, it feels so close to, you know, you've got scouts in every game and, uh, you know, you always have this hope that one day you're going to get drafted. So definitely it was my dream. But also my family's dream was to get a good education. As you know, I'm the second of my family to come out, uh, come to States and graduate university, which is a, um, you know, for my family, it's bigger award than kind of any award I can get. So I'm really, I'm really thankful for, uh, for senior hall for giving me an offer and kind of uh, helping me um, graduate. So, uh, you know, um, I had, both on the table. Of course, I wanted to go pro and play in the league, but at the same time, I wanted to get a great education. And I feel like it just, everything just ended up perfect. It didn't end. We still got biggest tournament, but you know, it's coming to an end and I feel like we're on a great path and I'm on a great track. Well, before we ask you about that Big East tournament, I'm wondering what you think this might say to other young men and women for that matter, that maybe aren't highly recruited, kind of like you weren't coming out of high school and what this means to, Hey, uh, take your best shot, right? You, you seem to be a walking, talking example of that. You know, uh, I always wanted to be that guy. Um, like, as, as you said, I was a three-star recruit, uh, not ranked in top 100, just coming in, didn't ever make a noise. And, you know, my first year, my first two years were always up and down years, and, and I got injured my junior year. So it was more heartbreaks, to be honest, and it was kind of just being on top of the world and feeling yourself. It was constant I got to go to the gym. I got to work out. I got to be better than everybody else. And I got to prove everybody wrong. And I feel like it starts when you believe in yourself. Uh, only person who can believe in himself is you. And yeah. once you got that that belief that you can make it happen, uh, I feel like that's when your journey starts. And definitely my freshman year, I, I didn't believe myself. I was kind of a guy who didn't have much confidence. But, you know, then I just decided, like, if I won't do it, nobody will. And I just started working on my game, working on myself a lot more. And I feel like it's more like also mental. You want to be mentally strong when you're in a great league as Big East because you got so much great players. So, you know, I was just waiting for my time, stay patient. And definitely 
I want to tell everybody who, who thinks they're like not highly recruited to never stop believing in yourself, never stop working because at the end of the day, God sees every sacrifice you put in and always going to reward you. Sandra, how difficult was it to play and live in a pandemic when your family is, is abroad? I, I believe your family is in town for the Big East tournament or some of them. Can you just bring us up to speed on that? Yeah, uh, you know, it was it was really hard. Um, uh, I was in uh, PA uh, in Pennsylvania, in, in, like close to East Stroudsburg. And my brother is a teacher at Blair. And that's why I chose the spot to be there because I wanted to be close to my brother. But I got lucky enough where my personal trainer is also from East Stroudsburg. Um, you don't understand. It was we would go out like four times a day outside court. And in the morning, it would be terrible. It would be so hot. I thought I would have a heart attack. And, you know, it just I, would, I like I feel like off season was this off season was the best off season I had because I would just I just kind of went far from everything and stayed by myself and with my coach and worked on myself and as well as testing for the waters that was there was still another motivation I had to be even better so you know um right now my mom is here uh my aunt is here my brother is here uh fortunately my father couldn't make the trip or my another aunt my father's sister but you know just having my mom here who has never been to the Big East tournament game is just a blessing so I just want to make her proud well, what are you ready to show your family? I mean, it's been an up and down year for you guys, especially toward the end of the season. But I know that a lot of people have thought that you've had a really good basketball team all season long. What do you guys need to do, in your opinion, to put this together and make a run this week in New York? Every team has a breakdown. It doesn't matter how good you are. Sometimes you're going to have a breakdown. And uh, the important thing is, will everybody come together and fix it? Or will everybody kind of break down and go their separate ways? And this team definitely is the... Uh, has a true warrior spirit who even if we lost a couple of games everybody's here to win and nobody cares about anything else no and I feel like we're so unselfish it will show um we worked very hard coach comes in here comes in his office every day at 6 a.m and and gets everything done for us so I feel like as a unit we are ready to kind of show showcase everybody uh, that even though we were we had a couple of tough games we're still um ready to fight and you know, take uh, take on the challenges. Sandra, last one for me. You mentioned Coach Willard, and obviously he believed in you, uh, brought you to New Jersey, and it's been four really good years. What is Coach Willard really like? First of all, I want to thank Coach Willard because, uh, you know, he took a chance on me, first of all. And, you know, I remember my freshman year when I didn't play, he told me he believes in me um, and he knows what talent I have and what can I bring to the table. And slowly my role, role, role grew, grew, grew. And this year he told me he wanted me to be a leader and kind of step on that uh, spotlight spot. And I always going to appreciate that because without him believing in me and giving me this motivation with all the coaching staff and everybody around seeing the whole program, I would not be where I'm at today. So thank you to Coach Willard. And he's a, he's a hardworking guy, very, very hardworking guy who comes in every day, doesn't miss a day of practice, always on time, always ready. Uh, always has uh, like a, I want to say like always has an answer for you. He's really straightforward. If you are playing bad, he's gonna come to you and tell you. But it will never be where he's gonna break your confidence. It will be more to uplift you and kind of give you uh, confidence. Very very positive guy. Uh, you will never see him being negative. So um, I feel like overall he's he's an amazing mentor to a lot of young players, and that's why he has a great developing program where a, a guy who puts so much in. You want to do the same thing and put two times more so you can prove that he's right about you. So he's a great guy. 
Sandro Mamakalishvili from Seton Hall. As for Jeremiah Robinson Earl, we did catch up with him during his interviews this week with Big East Media. He told us becoming player of the year was nothing he had ever thought about before. Oh, it definitely wasn't anything I was like looking forward to, like, oh, I want to be player of the year, be freshman of the year, but just trusting, trusting the process and just becoming the best player I possibly can be. And by the end of the year, um, I, I was able to get the freshman of the year and then Big East player of the year, but it just goes to show the the development of, of the coaching staff that, that that what they can do for each individual player and it can lead to being a great villain of a basketball team. You know, you tested the waters last year, decided to come back. You know, how has that decision to come back help you grow? I would say it helped me grow in, in every which way, mentally, physically, on the court, off the court, just becoming a better player um, from offense to defense, just being more mature out there, decision-making, just all the little things, and then just – Mentally, I think it's been a it's been a great year, just especially going through the pandemic, and just kind of keeping keeping staying mentally strong, and then also going through another season, just kind of maturing and growing my game. Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Colin Gillespie from Villanova, the Big East Players of the Year, along with Sandro Mamakalishvili of Seton Hall. Next up, who else is hot besides the guys we just spoke with? That's next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Robinson Earl spins into the lane. His shot is good. He's having a night. He's got six points, five boards, and a couple of athletic moves. Creighton's going to call timeout again. Villanova over right now, enjoying their largest lead of the game. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. All Big East team selections this week. On the first team, these names will be familiar because of their performances, certainly. James Booknight, UConn, Julian Champagny, St. John's, Colin Gillespie, Villanova, Sandro Mamakelishvili, Seton Hall, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl Villanova, and Marcus Zagorowski, Creighton. Any problems with those, Kevin? Uh, not really, John. You know, I, I, it's interesting. If you ask me who was the most consistent player from Creighton all season long, I probably wouldn't go with Marcus Zagorowski. You know, both mm-hmm. Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney, I, I think the three of them took turns being the lead dog. That said, Marcus is certainly the emotional and spiritual leader of Creighton. So I, I get it why he is a first-team pick. And well, those names you just mentioned are going to pop up here because the All-Big East second team had David Duke from Providence, Zach Fremantle Xavier, Damian Jefferson Creighton, as you said, Paul Scruggs from Xavier, and Nate Watson from Providence. That's first-team caliber play right there. No question. And it's funny. I know you're going to go to honorable mention next is one other player who clearly could be a second-teamer. I think he's the most underrated player, overlooked player in the Big East, if not one of the in the country. And that'd be Jermaine Samuels, the senior from Villanova. Just a very important player, and even more so now that Colin Gillespie isn't around. Just going to say Samuels is going to be left to carry the load, I think, for the Wildcats, perhaps from this point forward, along with uh, you know Jeremiah Robinson Earl. So he'll have uh, big uh, weight on his shoulders to have some success the postseason. And, you know, really back to the second team, the real, really difficult losses in the Big East tournament by both Providence and Xavier their runs end in the very first round. Right. You know, those are four really good players in David Duke, Nate Watson, Fremantle, and Scruggs. 
Uh, all Big East honorable mention, Javon Blair, Georgetown, quietly had a very strong year for a surging Hoya team at the end of the season. Denzel Mahoney of Creighton, and as you mentioned, Jermaine Samuels from Villanova. And then the all-freshman team, Kev, these guys are the future of the Big East, and these will be names that fans will hear, we hope, for the next few years to come. Posh Alexander, St. John's, Dawson Garcia, Marquette. We talked about them a lot this year, along with Chuck Harris from Butler, Colby Jones from Xavier, and Adama Sonogo, talented big man for the UConn Huskers. John, John, the list of players right there really gets me excited about next year's Big East because all of those players, if they all return to school, have a chance to be first team all league talents. They're that good. And the guy who's rising faster than anyone in the league is clearly Chuck Harris from Butler, a big time scoring point guard, combo guard, whatever. He's a really good player and a building block out in Indianapolis. No question about that. All right, Big East Players of the Year, you know. It's Mamu, it's Colin, it's J-Rob. The Coach of the Year, Mike Anderson from St. John's. We'll hear from him coming up. The Freshman of the Year, Posh Alexander. Took the honors, Kevin. Posh Alexander, I, I get it. You know, it's interesting. I think Posh Alexander made as much of an impact defensively as offensively for the Red Storm. Mike Anderson's system is so reliant on good guard play. He found the perfect piece to lead his program. Just a quick shout out though, to the scholar athlete of the year was uh, Ike Obiagu from Seton Hall. Their seven one center finished with a 3.7 in accounting. And he's hoping to go to grad school and return to the pirates program next year. That's some serious smarts right there. Congrats to Ike at 3.7 in accounting. I was hoping to get my gentleman C in accounting. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very impressed. I was about to say, man. Our blast from the past was definitely a blast, especially with the thousands of fans inside Madison Square Garden till nearly 1.30 in the morning the day after the game began. 12 years ago, March 12, 2009, where were you? 27.3 to go. Walker will bring it up with Price, Adrian, Fabid, and Ostry. One timeout for the Huskies if they need it. Two to tie, three for the lead. 15 seconds to go. Austri dribbling. Austri heaves one up. The beat snatches and lost it. Walker all alone to lay it in. 1.1 to go. Timeout circuit. Oh, does it get any better? The beat did make contact with Flynn. It's an errant pass. Devendorf at the buzzer. Oh! Good! Good! They will check it, but if it stands, it's another Syracuse buzzer beater to beat Connecticut. John Cal, Bob Donato, and James Breeding are the officials. And I think they're going to wave it off. They did. And the right call. You have to prepare yourself now for overtime. It's going to be a tough one for Devendorf and for Syracuse, but they've got to move on next play right now. Syracuse and Connecticut engaged in one for the record books that took six overtimes to complete, with the Orange finally taking a 127-117 win over the Huskies. Longest game in Big East history was technically the second longest time-wise in college hoop history after a 1981 Cincinnati-Bradley game. But only two other college games have ever made it as far as six extra periods. Those were back in 1953 and in 1955. Kevin, I know you were there. I was doing the game on national radio. That was a long night, but it certainly was fun. So memorable, John. I was this close to leaving earlier in the day and getting on a train back to Providence. So happy that I stayed. But boy, what time do we get out of there? About quarter to two in the morning, something Almost. like that? Almost. Yeah. It, it was so memorable to the, to the fact that 
10 years later, they're still selling six overtime t-shirts up in Syracuse, <laughs> New York. I love that. Let's see. That's great. See, these legends just won't die. And that's one of the things we've loved the most about doing these blasts from the past this year. It's been fun. Well, if you're looking for a team and a coach with plenty of motivation to keep on keeping on, may we present St. John's as the team. While the Johnnies were preseason picked for ninth in the 11-team league, St. John's finished fourth in the regular season. And with a good showing this week, they could find themselves dancing next week. Head coach Mike Anderson was named Big East Coach of the Year by his fellow league coaches, and he joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. John McGriff is into the game, dribbling the ball, splits the defense into the front court. And that's it. St. John's makes it now five straight wins as they upend the number three team in the country, the Villanova Wildcats, 70-59, to snapping Nova's nine-game win streak. Welcome back to this week in the Big East. Picked ninth, finished fourth. It's not first, but it's a pretty good upward move in a league that added a title-contending program in UConn this season. St. John's showcased an offense that can run at a high speed and a gambling defense that can pick your pocket and make a team pay for its mistakes. They also had two premier players in all Big East first-teamer Julian Champagny and freshman of the year Posh Alexander. That's the way to grab some headlines in the New York tabloids once again. Happy to welcome in the Big East Coach of the Year, Mike Anderson from St. John's. First of all, uh, Coach, congratulations on the honor. Hey, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate that. It means a lot to me. Uh, you know, when you're when you're in, in the Big East and you're among your peers and, and they think that much of you, uh, um, I'm very honored. Resuscitating a program like St. John's was the charge that, you know, you took on when you were hired. Did you think that you could turn it as quickly as you have? Well, you know, I've always said, you know, whether I've been, I've had to do it, whether it be at UAB, whether it be at Missouri and Arkansas. And so uh, I like to be on the fast track, but, but, but obviously coming here, there's some, you know, you got to shift the culture you got to get players in and and then we're dealing with a pandemic as well uh so but when i see what has transformed up to this point i can't say anything but thank god for the administration uh the players number one uh, i got a great coaching staff that's with me a lot a great support system and in, in the university in itself and, and the city uh, for us to to be uh, at this point but but we know there's still a lot more work to do and uh and hopefully this program and our players will continue to improve. It's all about players. Uh, you, you appreciate that more than anyone, Coach, with 19 winning seasons. The last two recruiting classes have really changed over the personnel in the program. How, how important has recruiting and your staff been in, in making this turn so quickly? I think it's been critical because I think you got to get the right personnel to fit what you want to do. And uh, I'm a big character guy. You know, sometimes character character can outweigh talent. And so, but we we identified some guys early on, and you look at a guy like Julian uh, Champagne, who was getting ready to go to prep school, and we were fortunate on that, that uh, he wanted to stay home and come and, and, and be a part of what we're doing. Uh, you know, the guy, even the guys that remain here, you talk about a Greg Williams, uh, Marcellus Erlington, Josh Roberts, uh, those guys have taken tremendous steps, as well as a guy like Rasheen, who's from this area here. But the, then the, in each class, you want to get better. So we thought we got better with the class coming in, and uh, and I know people will rank them here and rank them there, but uh, I always said you can't rank a guy's heart. So with that means that the proof is always going to be in the pudding. You know, come on, put it on display, and let's see where you are. And now we're seeing some uh, some guys who have taken some tremendous strides in this 
pandemic year, uh, Posh Alexander, you know, old freshman, uh, freshman of the year, uh, yeah. Big East defensive player of the year. I mean, that that uh, some of the stuff that that is taking place, that man, it just blows your mind. It's the continued development of Julia Champini, and uh, but more importantly, how this team has kind of had some adversity and they responded in the right way. You mentioned Posh Alexander, the Big East Rookie of the Year. I think the line that I, I really enjoy, you say he picks up his man as soon as he comes off the bus. <laughs> could, could you have found a better point guard for your system? He fits perfect what we do. You know, obviously, I love instinctive players. And so with that being said, you know, uh, you know, God has gifted him with that gift already in terms of, you know, uh, having the toughness and having the uh, uh, just the resolve, you know, to have personal pride. He don't want his guy to beat him, but he can guard your man and another man. And uh, and then as 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 tremendous he is on defense and offensively, he's, he's hard to contain and keep in front. And you know, and as he continues to to play with the confidence that at this level, uh, you see him. Uh, make an impact defensively because he can create for not himself, but others as well. Uh, Mike, this year you're seven and seven after a loss, uh, really, you know, heartbreaking loss to Marquette, two and six in the league, and things change. Uh, was it just things coming together? Was there a quote, come to Jesus? Uh, w- w- what made it click? Uh, it could have been a combination of things. Uh, I think more importantly is uh, we've made a connection where, you know, the guys that have been through the wars that really put pride in on defense. Uh, the Greg Williams, the Rasheem Dunn, uh, Josh Roberts was inserted to the lineup. And then, then of course, you had Julian as well as Posh Alexander, who I think can fit in with, with, with any of those guys. But those guys were familiar from last year. And I think that was probably uh, what helped most because now they're connected defensively. Uh, we were trying to win with offense. I think that's what we were trying to win early on. And, uh, and if we don't shoot it well, we had problems, you know, defense, you can play every night. And so I think we turn our attentions to defense and, and that's been, been the difference. Uh, you know, we had some, uh, we bumped our heads a couple of times, but for the most part, I think our defense has been much better. I have two more coach. I'm curious. Uh, you've put together some great teams in your career, teams that I've had NCAA tournament runs. Is this team a player or two away? Uh, you're not in the tournament probably today entering the big East tournament, but I think everyone knows that St. John's is a very da- dangerous team right now. We're in the hunt for something. I don't know what it is. And uh, <laughs> so uh, with that being said, uh, we, we, we we were in the Big East tournament, and that's where the, uh, the automatic qualifier uh, comes comes out of. And that's 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 our goal, one game at a time. That's, that's our approach. It's been like that all year long. But uh, we, we feel like we're in the hunt for something. We, we think we uh, this team has proven that it can – play with anybody and it can beat anybody and anybody can beat them. And I think our league is, is really, really good. And a lot of teams, whether it be the top team versus the bottom team, they've been beaten. So it makes for, uh, I think, an exciting tournament. You've mentioned a couple of times about the pandemic. I have to ask you the last one about the pandemic. What has been the, the secret sauce to get you guys through relatively unscathed here? And you're here in March, you're at the finish line and hopefully your season can continue. Knock on wood, which is my head, that we yeah. can continue to do it. Uh, I think just continue to try to educate these guys. And, and I think the biggest part is that they've got to commit and try to protect each other. I mean, they've seen it where, you know, where teams uh, have, have, have had some positive cases come about. Uh, and then it just knocks them out for almost a month, really. 
so they've seen that. And so they're, they're sacrificing. I think that's the biggest word. They're sacrificing, you know, being out there with the families. And can you imagine, you know, guys got families here and they hadn't seen them. So they're using the Zoom, using the texting, using the FaceTime to, uh, because they want to play the game. I think that's what it is. They want to continue to play the game. Coach, again, congratulations and best of luck the rest of the way. Appreciate it. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks again. And congratulations to St. John's head coach, Mike Anderson. Coming up next, a little bit of the national perspective with a longtime familiar voice in Big East circles to put his spin on what 2021 has been all about. Rich Chavotkin, the voice of the Hoyas, coming up next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the national perspective. The national perspective. So here comes Butler. Jones puts it to the floor. Has to the rim. Puts it up. No! No basket! Hoyas win! 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 The Hoyas have beaten Butler! Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. If there is any one person in the Big East Conference who has truly seen it all and probably called it all, it is the radio voice of the Georgetown Hoyas, Rich Chavotkin. Wrapping up his 47th season, there haven't been as many Hoyas win calls as he would have liked to have had this year. But to offer some perspective on this season, his team and those he's seen this year, Rich joins us this week in the Big East. So, Rich, safe to say you've hardly experienced anything like this year over, say, the past half century or so? No, I don't think so. In fact, at this time, if you remember, they shut it down at Madison Square Garden after the halftime of the Creighton St. John's game. Right. It's been a year since and now in this pandemic year. But the good news for the Hoyas, they've been playing pretty well of late. They come away with some big victories. I mean, you have to give the Hoyas a lot of credit to right the ship after what they were struggling with early in the season. Rich, question on the Hoyas season as a whole. If you go and look back, their COVID pause in early January clearly was a turning point. Before that, they really struggled. Afterwards, I believe... Uh, Georgetown won seven of its next 11. What, what was the difference? Was it just maturity? It was a combination of maturity. Chudier Bile then got in the starting lineup. He gave them a different dimension. He could shoot the three ball. He runs the floor. And he had a couple double-doubles in that big run. So, And I think it was maturity. Dante Harris, the freshman, getting a little more playing time. I think Patrick finally got his rotation going, you know, thinned the bench to just a, a couple subs off the bench. So, And again, I think that three-week pause just gave them a little opportunity to, you know, to refresh themselves. And they came out of the blocks. And as you said, did pretty well, winning seven of uh, 11 ball games and, and against some pretty tough competition. And, and they only lost to the, the league's elite. You're talking about Creighton as well as Villanova. So they've done a pretty good job. And, and when you can beat a team like Seton Hall, when you can beat Creighton and you could take Villanova in a couple of ball games right down to the wire, I think you have to give the Hoyas a lot of credit. You know, one of the things that I, that I, I do appreciate the most about Georgetown's resurgence late in the year, Rich, has been watching Patrick Ewing coach. I mean, congratulations to Mike Anderson, but for my money, I think I think Patrick did as good a job as anybody in this league in bringing his team back from really almost non-existence early in the year. Well, I, I agree with you. I think he's done a tremendous coaching job. You know, he's trying to, you know, match the, the seniors, Blair, Pickett, the grad transfers in Donald Carey, as well as Chudier Billet. And then you have a freshman running the offense, the point guard, Dante Harris, the Washington, D.C. product. So, you know, you have so many combinations that he's got to get in there. He's, he's helped Kudus Wahab. Uh, mature on the interior. So again, I, I, I have to give Patrick a lot of credit. Of course, if I didn't give him credit, you know how long I've been doing the <laughs> games. So, but, but, but the bottom line is, you know, Patrick is very pleased with the play of his team. He's just pleased with the way they've come out of the pandemic since January the 30th. 
with that big win over Providence to start the, the, the second part of the season. But, but again, you know, you got to keep that going. You got to keep the culture going. If I could follow up for just a second, you've known Patrick as long as just about anybody from his days as a player over 30 years ago uh, to this point in time. Now, how has he developed, matured with his basketball sense? And are you at all surprised that he's developed from such a great player, a hall of fame player to a really good college basketball coach? You know, not at all, John. I, I think you have to look at Patrick's work ethic ever since he came to the Hilltop, even prior to that, when he was at Cambridge Ridge and Latin. And I'll tell you a great story which, which will reflect that. Gary Williams, when Patrick Ewing was recruited, and I said, Gary, what do you think about the future for Georgetown? He said, Rich, go home, get a calendar, tell your wife, do not do anything for the next four marches. You'll be going to the NCAA tournament. <laughs> and that, that rang true. So it just shows that, you know, his work ethic is just tremendous, you know. He, he basically wants it his way. I think he's done a great job in coaching these kids. And again, we talked about, you know, getting the veterans to blend with the freshmen, the grad products, and especially doing it in a pandemic year, you know, not like anybody else has not had to go through it. But I think he's done a tremendous job in this pandemic year, taking care of business. Rich, you've, uh, well, you've covered every Biggie season, uh, all the way back to 1979 and 80, the very first one. This has been such an odd one with the pandemic, but also an odd one, I think, because as the year has gone on, the potential of teams to make the NCAA tournament keeps getting chipped away and keeps getting chipped away by teams like Georgetown and Providence. And even DePaul has sprung up and, and grabbed some upsets. We could be looking at only three Big East teams in the NCAA tournament. Does that surprise you? It does surprise me because at the start of the season, everybody was talking about the possibility of five, maybe even six. And now it's been whittled down to, I think, for sure, three locks. But I think Xavier is really on the bubble. That loss yesterday really killed them. You know, Seton Hall, St. John's, uh, maybe the winner of that ball game has an opportunity to get in, into the big dance. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that uh, it's just a shame that the Big East is not going to be able to get four or five. You remember the one year where they had uh, nine Big East teams? Uh, yeah. that, that, that's not going to happen in the future. But it is a shame to see Xavier lose yesterday afternoon, Providence to lose, you know, whatever tournament chances they had, I think went by the boards yesterday. And you're right. They may only get three teams into the big dance. Well, because of the, 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 the precedence of the, of the big East being as noteworthy as it has been during the course of, uh, uh, the last several seasons, especially since the reconfiguration of the league. I'm sure that, that there will be some who would say, well, what's wrong with the big East if only three teams get in, is there anything wrong with the big East rich? I don't think there's anything wrong with the Big East. I think what's right with the Big East is you have such great competition. And then now from top to bottom, it shows the strength of that league. You know, when DePaul comes into Madison Square Garden and beats Providence, when Butler co comes into the garden as the underdog and beats Xavier, it shows you the balance of the league. And I think that's one of the strengths of the Big East. You know, unfortunately, what happens when you start knocking everybody off, it takes people out of the tournament picture. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the Big East at all. I think that's very right with the Big East that you have such parity and such balance. How excited are you to see uh, Connecticut back, Rich, not only this year and this odd year, but going forward where we know that those UConn people can't wait to get back in Madison Square Garden. Well, you know, UConn is playing at a very high level. If you remember what they did to Georgetown last Saturday afternoon, I mean, they're, they're functioning at all cylinders. And when you have a guy like James Booknight, and of course the interior is playing very well. And, you know, Danley Hurley is coaching them up. And uh, I'm sure they're glad to be back at the, uh, quote, their friendly confines of Madison Square Garden. And I, I would be shocked to see if uh, Connecticut did, didn't, didn't run the table and win the Big East tournament just of the way they're playing right now.
Well, I've got to ask a very obvious question here, Rich, and I think I know the answer to it. Uh, you know, once the uh, the Hoyas run is complete and the season is done for 2021, will there be a 48th year for the voice of the Hoyas? Well, I'm hoping there'll be a 48th. I'm hoping there'll be a 49th and maybe a 50th. In <laughs> fact, Pat, Patrick said to me a couple of years ago when I was talking with he and his grandkids, and he said, Rich, when you do my grandkids, you know you've had a successful career. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's all I can say on that one. That's a wow. Rich, congratulations, not only on an unbelievable career, but for, thanks for you know offering a little perspective on what has been a strange ride for all of us, I think. Well, you know, gentlemen, we've enjoyed our association over the course of the years. We always love to come to Madison Square Garden for the annual tournament. We enjoy the camaraderie. It's just a shame that this pandemic year has taken that away from us, but hopefully next year we can resurrect it and back to our our, our, our general routine. Thanks to the voice of the Georgetown Hoyas, Rich Chavotkin, for joining us. Who's got next? Has the Big East beaten itself up this season? What lies ahead for next week and beyond is coming up next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Hook Knight, foul line, drive inside, duck under. A lot of contact, but Sonogo off the miss puts it back up and in. And UConn's bigs are doing the job tonight, 33-26. And Kevin Willer's got to call a timeout. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East. What about the postseason for at least the teams that will be playing on next week? NCAA tournament, maybe the NIT for a couple, who knows? But, Kevin, one thing we do know is we've talked about throughout the course of the program this week is the fact that we really don't know. The Big East has kind of beaten itself up just a little bit. But as Rich Chavakin told us a few moments ago, largely that's because the competition level has been extraordinarily even, maybe more so this year from top to bottom than in any recent year. No, John, I think the bottom of the league, the middle of the league has been very competitive and it's hurt these, the so-called bubble teams, you know, Xavier, St. John's, Seton Hall. Don't know what's going to, what things are going to look like on Sunday, on Selection Sunday for those teams. What we do know is Villanova, Creighton and Connecticut are all will be in the NCAA tournament to varying degrees. You know, I think we're a little concerned about where each stand right now, but those three are certainly locks. What stood out to you about the makeup of those three teams? What gave them the edge, do you think, over the teams that were, you know, in the middle of the league to the lower half of the league? Well, very good talent. There's no question. I, I think those three teams are the most talented teams in the league. They also have a good supply, good supply of experience and good coaching, certainly. Uh, and also the difference of all three. Think about the seasons that all three had. Villanova, you know, really good right from the start. Obviously, the injury at the end to Gillespie really clouds their situation next week. I think it'll be interesting to see what seed they are and if the NCAA committee lowers their seed because of that injury. Creighton's been pretty consistent, a better defensive team than Greg McDermott has had in a long time and right. still pretty explosive. And then, of course, Connecticut with James Booknight and without James Booknight. With James Booknight, they are a very dangerous team. Yeah, without him, almost a completely different makeup. And that's one of the things that I've marveled about UConn this year, how those guys on that team not only rally around him, but become better when he's out on the floor. I think he's been the most impactful player. I had my doubts that he would be able to come back from the elbow, elbow injury and be able to make the impact that he has. But he's just an extremely talented offensive player, John and attracts so much attention defensively that he certainly does make everyone else better. Maybe the key guy, R.J. Cole. You see his production really take off right. when Booknight's on the floor. Did the addition of UConn make the Big East better? 
there's no question. I mean, w- without UConn this year, maybe they don't have even three teams in the NCAA tournament. Uh, I, I'm disappointed, John, overall, because I do think that some of these other teams, I, I, I think St. John's is a very dangerous team and would win games in the NCAA tournament. I think there's multiple teams in this Big East that could win games in the, in the NCAA tournament that won't get a chance really because they couldn't play consistently enough to be able to rise up on the computer rankings and everything else that the committee is looking for. Well, our thanks to a lot of people this year, but first and foremost, to our Big East Award winners at Villanova, Colin Gillespie and Jeremiah Robinson-Earl, at Seton Hall, Sandro Mamakalashvili, and at St. John's and head coach Mike Anderson. Plus, thanks to the voice of the Hoyas, Rich Chavotkin, for joining us this week. Thanks to all of our flagship radio stations, WPRO Providence, WTEM Washington, Ben FM in Philadelphia, KOZN Omaha, WMCA and WNYM New York, WUCS Hartford, WKRC Cincinnati, WSCR Chicago, WAUK Milwaukee, and WFNI Indianapolis for their broadcast and highlight assistance. Thanks to our producer, Kevin Collins, executive producer, John Paquette, Kristen Quinn and Rick Gentile at the Big East, and thanks to the coaches and administrators at all 11 member institutions. Kevin, thank you. I'll look forward to next year. A lot of fun, John. Really appreciate it. Uh, Just really happy to be able to entertain the Big East fans because it has been a challenging year and just hope next year is back to normal for everybody. Ditto. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter at JR Broadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33. And we will join you again same time next year for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.